Hello, everyone, and welcome to Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Jesse. I'm Dan. And we are coming at you with some uh, timey-wimey, about-time energy. And joining us today for possibly the second time is uh, is, is a guy named Austin. Hello. Hey, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> it's Austin about time. Seen... It is about time <laughs> that we had you on. Uh, in fact, we tried to do this episode before, and you were here for it. Yeah. We recorded was, half of it. It was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, I was recording in the car. Uh, you, Your internet kept cutting out. Maybe maybe Vito's kept cutting out, too. It was really bad. <laughs> but and you, and you couldn't just jump back in time and redo it. No, well, we're... That that's what today's all about. I got you. Yeah, it, it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, there's going to be so many of those. <laughs> I if you're still listening, I I hope you keep listening. Um, but yeah, we've done it before. There were revelations that were made. Vito was the one that made them actually, and maybe even Mike. And now they're they're both not here today. Um, Vito's not here because and and quote I am vengeance. And then Mike's not here today because uh, he said, do you need me on the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I'm never really sure how to answer that question. Yeah, he didn't seem super interested. I mean, I'm sure he would have been interested if we asked him to, but yeah, he didn't seem super into this movie. Yeah, maybe Mike doesn't have a heart. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's true. This is a very popular movie. Ah, Mike. You probably (laughs) hate this movie, don't you? That's his hot take. We'll just assume that's his hot take. Yeah. From Mike, and I quote, this is not a dad movie. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Mike. (laughs) Oh, Mike. You should have known better. (laughs) But yeah, so so today we're here to talk about time. Because it's about time that we did so. But before we do, Mike came up with a question that we now ask each other about things that we were asking or uh, watching during the week. And the way it's phrased is what's up. So Dan, (laughs) what's up? I feel like it's aggressive. I feel like they're (laughs) interrogating me. (laughs) I can't do it the way Mike Mike's is fun. Mine is just an angry, (laughs) it's just an angry couple words. Uh, But yeah, let's see my, I mean, my kids are still, they're still into Encanto because I think every kid, I don't know, somehow there's like something in the air. Everyone's singing that song, the Bruno song, and everyone's watching Encanto. Um, So they're still, my little one-year-old, she's always going, Nuno, Nuno, Um, which is, we don't talk about Bruno, but it's very cute. It gets annoying after about the 10th time in the day. Yeah. Do you guys listen to that? as like the soundtrack or is it just from the movie that they've caught on to we don't talk about bruno we we do listen to the soundtrack okay um usually in the mornings when my wife's you know making breakfast or we're helping get the kids ready we'll usually put some music on and typically in the mornings we want something kind of like peppy and you know wake us all up and so we'll put on like some disney music or some musical or whatever and yeah and so that's that's been one of our go-tos in the mornings is 
some Encanto music or yeah, something similar to it. That's, you know, it's funny. I know like we don't talk about Bruno as a huge song, but I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I've never really got like of all the songs I've heard that one is the big one. It's like, I, I think there are better songs on there. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's not even the one that's nominated for an Oscar, but the really sad one that's really beautiful as well. But oh, the one at the end, the, the one when the really sad scene is showing it's called, it's like Dos Uruguitas or something. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but it's when it, it shows the grandma and she's as a young lady is like her husband, you know, I don't want to give spoilers away, but her husband, something very sad happens. And guess um, what happens? That's to how the husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a Disney movie, so nothing's shown, but, um, so that, and then like the miracle happens where the, the candle lights up and anyway, okay, the so really near the beginning. Okay. Yeah. The plays during that, that scene is the one that's nominated. But, yeah. But I know what you mean. Like we don't talk about Bruno. It's almost like a tango sounding thing with kind of some like popish rapish parts in it. And it is a weird mixture. Yeah. It didn't but, feel particularly poppy to me. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just I mean, like parts. Yeah, it's it's a mix mixed bag. Yeah, but yeah, it just felt like a real musical number that belonged in a musical and not really outside of it. So it's yeah blowing my mind. But apparently they've translated it into like every language and not just translated it word for word, but like tried to take the spirit of it as if a Spanish speaking person was singing it in that language and translated it translated it that way. Okay. So it's like very tailor-made. So I guess that's one of the appeals to it. Yeah. But that still doesn't explain it to me. That kind of, I guess that makes sense if you want to go global with it to make it still, uh, you know, know, appealing to other cultures. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, we don't talk about Bruno is still a part of our lives. And then um, I personally recently watched the Kingsman movie, the, Mm the new prequel thing that they came up with. Um, I liked it. It was, there were a lot of parts I didn't like. It had some really good action sequences in it that might've made it worth watching. It also has a really surprising scene in it that like totally shocked me. I didn't see it coming as a plot point at all. And it, so props to that for, you know, totally taking me off guard, but Ralph Vien is in it. He's okay. I always love him, no matter what he's what role he's playing. So he's like the main guy in the in the movie. Yeah. So I'd I'd give it a I don't know half hearted recommendation. I guess. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's too half hearted for me. <laughs> I had already kind of planned on not seeing The King's Man. One because I think that's kind of kind of a dumb title. <laughs> it's just it the is. title. It is. <laughs> <laughs> And two, because I, I hate the prequel movies where they just have to, you know, it's like, oh, here, here's how he got the shoes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah, I think, yeah, I feel like the first one, I loved the first one so much. And so I'm, I'm still kind of riding that, I don't know, that high or that, like, I still want the, what I felt in the first one to happen in the next ones. Mm. And there was like, the second one I thought was, I don't know. It was, I thought it was kind of garbage, but there were certain scenes that I was like, yes, this is what I came for. 
And then same thing with this one. It was like, I didn't like it, but then there were certain scenes that were like really cool and really like stylish and yeah, just really, really okay. cool. So, so you basically, kind of, you basically just said it's on par with the second one. Yeah. I okay. would, I would probably put it on par with the second one. Okay. Like if there's anything like watch, the, um, country road scene, like the sacrifice scene at the end of the second one, I would be totally down to watch that one again. Um, <laughs> Because I that scene like weirdly makes me cry, but also like is hilarious all at the same time. I don't know. That that was just such a good part of the second one. Yeah. So you're you're a, a Kingsman two fan. I don't even know what the title of the movie is. I, I don't. Something is it the Kingsmen? It's the Kingsmen two. The Golden Circle or something. Golden Circle. That's, Ew, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a dumb title. <laughs> yeah, don't judge really a book by its cover, Jesse. I will. Don't judge a sequel by its. Yeah. But so far, it has not led me astray. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of books you're not reading. <laughs> I can only read one at a time. So yeah. <laughs> um. All right, Austin. Well, thank. Well, Dan, thanks for uh, sharing what. What is up? What is up? Yeah. Um, so Austin, I've got to ask you. What's up? <laughs> uh, I'll I'll tell you what's up. Um, I've actually been watching things that I like. I recently saw Donnie Brasco for the first time. Um, I'd never seen it before, and I thought it was great. Donnie um, Brasco. Have you not have you not heard of this? No, this I've not heard Donnie. Brasco. This was this is a mobster movie from the eighties, starring Al Pacino and Johnny Depp. Um. Johnny Depp's like a undercover cop. Oh, never really fantastic. Really good um, acting, I thought. Really intriguing story. Loosely based on uh, a true story. But I, I would definitely put it on par with Goodfellas, honestly. Uh, Jeez. I've never heard of this uh, movie. It, it was really good. This is where um, Forget About It comes from. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah was it critically acclaimed or i i really haven't heard about it from many people i actually heard about it because my wife really likes watching this like real life mafia guy that on youtube that recommends gangster movies and this is his favorite so that's <laughs> was it like how... everybody just forgot about it <laughs> I, I guess that's what's up <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's so, that's great. So Jesse, what's up? <laughs> wow, I really hate that. <laughs> if we do it obnoxiously enough, then Vito and Mike might drop it. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I feel like there's a sweet spot in it though. Like we're doing it way too obnoxiously. Yeah, but I think there's. <laughs> I, yeah. Mike is Mike seems more genuine when he says "what's up." Like he genuinely wants to know what is up. <laughs> But if is I it say supposed what's to up, be it's like so the commercial? The what's up? Is no, it supposed to be that? Actually, oh, it's not. It's very supposed much to be. not supposed to be. No, okay. I, I turned it into that. <laughs> Apologies. I really shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the kids have been watching A Land Before Time has come back into the, the cartoon rotation. And so has The Hobbit. They both took a hiatus for a while, and now they're both here. Nothing new on their end. They're still watching the same things. Um, oh, we did watch Paddington. Okay. Based off of uh, Beto's recommendation. It's a nice family movie. 
Yeah. I definitely don't share the same love, but it it definitely has its own flavor, its own style. Um, yeah, it's got the, the sort of Wes Anderson dollhouse sort of look and feel to it. In fact, there's literally a dollhouse where people are like walking around and the camera's banding around at parts. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, how uh, I, don't, I forget how, how this style is phrased, but you know how Wes Anderson does the thing where everybody's either perpendicular to the camera or walking parallel to it. It's like mm-hmm. the same thing here too. Yeah. For a lot of the time, not all of it, like Wes Anderson does. But it's got that sort of uh, that sort of flavor, that sort of style to it. Um, you know, there's a bear walking around, and nobody's acknowledging really that it's a bear. Everybody just <laughs> thinks that this talking bear is perfectly normal. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's a fun time. It's a it's a fun movie. I, I'd recommend that. That's a great one to watch with the kids. And then, uh, and then at night we've been watching uh, the Lord of the Rings extended which means we've been watching it in small chunks at a time, like a TV show. <laughs> so we are three quarters of the way to the fellowship of the ring. <laughs> and it's great. I love watching the extended versions cause it makes you stop halfway through. And then it's like, all right, it is time for bed. <laughs> yeah. It's still the two discs, right? Yeah. The two DVDs. Yeah. I feel like that's a, a bygone age when you had to, I mean, for us, it was watching Ben Hur. You had to take the second, the VHS out and, you know, forget to rewind it and then put the second one in. But yeah, I feel like it's a, a bygone age where you have to pause the movie because it has to stop. It's a little intermission. Yeah, frankly, I it makes me want to get back into physical media because I have like a few movies and this is now one of them. But like, I just I love the natural stopping point. <laughs> yeah, I want more movies like this from now on. Like if I if for whatever reason I somehow revisit Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I don't think I will, but that is the ideal mode to watch it. Like you mm. need to watch it in small chunks, and somebody needs to be there to tell you to stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Austin, did you not like that one? Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, um, you had a look on your face. It, it's all right. I mean, I I fell asleep during the original cut, and <laughs> this one I didn't fall asleep, but I also. <laughs> I just hate the Flash so much. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't really like any of those DC characters right now. Um, well, I have hope but, for the new Batman, but all those other ones I could kind of care less for. Yeah, the Batman's getting rave reviews. Can't wait to see yeah. it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah that, that will be cool, I think. Yeah. Should be great. No, I, I agree. I almost think with intermissions, I think it'd actually be a cool thing if like theaters brought back intermissions. I've thought this for a long time. Oh, that'd be great. Like it would be a win-win because then you'd get a chance to go to the bathroom if you needed to. And buy popcorn. To buy more popcorn. Yeah. So concessions would go up or concession sales. And then you could also like talk about the movie with people. It would be like a social, more like a social event. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. I've always thought that. Like it it would actually be nice to have intermissions. I'm sure there'd be people that would hate it like to be pulled out of the movie for 10 minutes, but I think it would be a win overall. Yeah. Like with a two and a half hour, three hour movie, which it seems like most movies are now. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really nice to just stop halfway through. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It really the movies would. Are like longer. Yeah. when I saw uh, the new Spider-Man movie, I mean, there's just so much plot going on for the whole three hours. I drank, 
a whole large soda at the beginning. And I had to get it out, but I wasn't leaving the theater. And I really was thinking, I was like, man, I should just pee in the cup right here. In a crowded theater? This is the I really considered it because I did not want to miss like what was going to happen. Spider-Man far from <laughs> No <laughs> Sorry, I just I just ruined your joke. Uh, who yeah. cares about my decency? I care about Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's very interesting, Austin. Uh, well, yeah, so we should have intermissions so I can pee when I need to <laughs> and not long past. You know, it, it is a valid point though, that you never want to miss the most important part. Oh, something close to that happened with um what is the movie? Us. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Peele's Us. Yeah. It was like the very end of the movie. I just had to pee so bad. And I almost and I almost went and just and just left. But like and then there was this, you know, there's a big thing that happens at the end, and it's like, oh, that is so crazy. I just gotta go. I gotta go <laughs> right now. <laughs> Man, so yeah, I'm with yeah. Yeah, many I feel like many movie theater experiences have been ruined by bladders and intermissions <laughs> would take care of that. And, and people would buy more popcorn. So come on theaters. Yeah. Yeah. It's a win for everybody. Make in intermissions, come back directors. You should make your movies have intermissions. Yeah. Well, that's what's up for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> make movies have intermissions again, but let's, let's get back to our movie at hand about time. So this movie is directed by Richard Curtis. He hasn't directed much before, but he has directed a couple a couple big ones, I guess. Love Actually. I know like random people in my life who told me they really like that movie. I don't like that movie at all. But uh, I know a lot of people that does and has a stellar cast in it. And then uh, the boat that rocked, which I have not seen, but that cast looks—it's uh, got Philip Seymour Hoffman, Bill Nye, and who's the other guy? Oh, Nick Frost. Oh, Nick Frost, and of course I love Nick Frost. So yeah, I kind of want to give this movie a watch. Yeah, he also wrote a whole lot. I almost wonder if that's how he. A lot of these writers, they become friends with, you know everybody in Hollywood. And so then when they go to direct, they have all the connections. I wonder wonder if that's how he kind of got all of his, these big names into his movie. He's only directed a few, but he has like a huge cast in each one of them. Yeah. He's done a lot of Mr. Bean and a lot of black adder, both, uh, both star Rowan Atkinson as the main protagonist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I really wouldn't call Mr. Bean a protagonist. <laughs> what a hero. <laughs> well, what do you, he is the protagonist. I mean, it's I all, guess. It's all I centered just, around I mean, him. You're just, you know, watching him come up with a way to drive sitting on top of his car. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh. He ruins the Mona Lisa in the Bean movie. I mean, <laughs> Whistler's mother. That's what. It, yeah. yeah. What is it? Oh, he sneezes on it. Is that what it is? Yeah, and then he like tries to like wipe it off and tries to like <laughs> use Sharpie <laughs> to like paint a new one. I don't know. Man. Yeah, Mister Bean tickles something in me. I can sit and watch a <laughs> watch a lot of Mister Bean. 
Yeah, no, yeah. I don't like the movie as much. I do love the little shorts and skits, though. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a comedic genius. I guess maybe it's part of his character that he just does really stupid stuff. But like, I remember growing up seeing the the trailers to his movies, and it was always like kind of the dumbest stuff he, the dumbest skits he did. Whereas he he does have a lot of like clever stuff, more almost like Monty Python type mm-hmm. humor in his in his movies and. I feel like for the American trailers, they always just have like the really dumb slapstick stuff. And he, I mean, he does, he does a fair yeah. amount of both. It's not like that's not a part of him, but um, yeah, I, I definitely got more of a appreciation for him as an adult. And uh, I remember one, there was some big ceremony. I think it was the Olympics actually. They yeah. had some sort of orchestral. Did you see this? The yeah, like where the, he like is playing the piano with one note, doing the chariots of fire theme. Yeah, that's what it was. Chariots of yeah. fire. Where there's this the one note that dun, 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 dun. yeah, and he's just sitting there on the keyboard playing that one note for like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> this was at the Olympics. It was yes, it was and some he's just like checking his phone as he's like yeah. playing it. He's like really bored. <laughs> that's right. He gets bored and he's like he's like trying to do something else. He drops his phone, I think, and he's trying to get it. And he's like trying to, he's like pushing the note with the umbrella or something. Like yeah. he's just trying to like get away from the keyboard. And it's so funny. It's just perfect. Like, yeah, the fact that it's such a beautiful song and that it was such a momentous moment for the Olympics and that Ron Atkinson is just, yeah, having the time of his life. It was so funny. That's so great. So he's, he was Mr. Bean at the Olympics, essentially. Yeah. What you just yeah. described is a Mr. Bean skit. Yeah. I think. I don't know that he is ever out of character, though. I think, when, <laughs> I think the moment a, t- a camera turns on, he is Mr. Bean, like for most of his, most of anything he does. It's kind of hit, like his persona, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, I guess I've never looked too much into Rowan Atkinson as a, as an actor. Well, like, because he, he's in Rat Race. Did you ever see that? No. The, it's a pretty funny comedy that I, I remember seeing in high school. It's about a bunch of people that are told that there's a million dollars in Silver City, New Mexico or something. And so they're all racing across the country to get it. And Rowan Atkinson plays a uh, um, narcoleptic man. So he keeps falling okay. asleep suddenly. So he'll like <laughs> he'll be like winning. And right at the moment that he's about to like get on the plane and be ahead of everybody, he'll just fall asleep. And it's Oh, that's great. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I'd give that a watch. I mean, he was he has made an appearance on the podcast before. He is, uh, he's Zazu in oh, Lion right. King. Yeah. I mean, the the animated one, not the the other later animated one. Wait, he's, he's Zazu? One. Yeah. The, the bird? Yeah. Isn't he? I thought that was John Oliver. Oh, that's in the new one. Oh, 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 in the old one. Yeah, in the old one. Oh, gotcha. Fact, let me verify that. Yeah, no, that, that's right. <laughs> okay, that right. you know what? Confirm. Austin said that's right, so it's got to be right. <laughs> that's anyway. That's we, we are uh, we're talking way too much about Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> 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 the reason why we're talking about him is because he works a lot with Richard Curtis, who is the director of this movie, and Richard Curtis has written a lot, and um, he wrote, like we said, a lot of Mr. Bean, but he also wrote this movie. He wrote and directed about time. Um. So anyway, that's who that is. Um. Also in our cast is, uh, how do you say his name? <laughs> Domnall. It's not even that hard. Domnall Gleeson. He's in a lot of stuff. 
Harry Potter, Peter Rabbit, and Peter Rabbit 2. Uh, <laughs> uh, the sequel Star Wars series, he plays the, I don't know, the redhead commander who randomly dies. Way too soon. General Hux. General Hux. He's an ex machina. The Revenant. He's in an episode of Black Mirror. Anna Karenina. He's in a lot of stuff. This guy pops up. Oh, and he's made an appearance on our podcast before in True Grit as Moon, the guy who gets his fingers chopped off. The sweaty guy. The sweaty, the really sweaty guy. (laughs) Yeah, he is abnormally sweaty in that scene. He's, um, he's good in everything he's in. Like I've yeah. never seen him in a character and not really liked who he was playing. Even you could even say General Hux was, you know, decently acted in the new. I mean, as much as I have problems with the new Star Wars, he was not one of them. Like he was okay. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah. Um, oh, he's also in Frank. I've never seen Frank, but I keep hearing about Frank. Yeah, I've never seen it. Is it claymation or something? No, it's just a guy who has like this really big head on <laughs> like <laughs> it's a really big head. You said that like that was normal. Like, no, it's <laughs> it's, it's not claymation. Guy with a really big head. That'll. I mean, yeah, look at this picture. Oh, seriously? He has... No, yeah, he just has a really big head. <laughs> no, I don't know if it's a mask and he can't take it off, or if yeah, or is I... it a Pag- Paddington thing where nobody mentions the fact that. He has a, he has a really big head. head. I don't know. I've never seen it. Michael I, Fassbender's in it, though. Yeah, and Maggie Gyllenhaal. So, Jeez. yeah, I've, I keep seeing Frank pop up throughout the years. I've heard and seen it. Oh, and it's an hour and a half. Now, see, to me, that is the selling point. <laughs> Frank is an hour and a half long. I'm going to give this a watch, and I'll let people know how it is in the next What's Up segment. <laughs> um, Yeah. So that's Dom Hall Gleason. He's our main protagonist playing Tim in this movie. And we also got Rachel McAdams, his love interest, who, um, yeah, she really likes to be with time travelers, right? Yeah. I was just reading that before. This is the fourth movie where she's the love interest of a time traveler. So it was um, uh, Time Traveler's Wife, which is another decent rom-com. She's also the love interest of Doctor Strange, who does Mm -hmm. some time traveling and then um, a midnight, midnight in Paris, which I've not seen, mm-hmm. but I, I, I like that movie. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Just what she looks like, a time traveler's wife. <laughs> I guess that's what she loves to be. Uh, I know she's also in The Notebook, which she's huge. Um, Sherlock Holmes, um, the guy Richie. Uh, you know, Mean Girls I, I think in Spotlight, are... probably. Yeah, biggest. and Mean Girls in the Spotlight. Oh, and Game Night. Oh, Which is yeah. another one of Austin's favorites. It is. <laughs> is it really? It's oh, it's such yeah. a funny movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, my wife and I loved it. Yeah. It's hilarious. I love, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jason, Jason Bateman. Bateman. Yeah. He's so good. Everything he's in is so good. She's also in Southpaw. Have you guys seen that? No. It's a, a boxing movie, I think. Okay. Um. It's really highly rated. It's been on my watch list forever, but I, yeah, I was just curious if you guys have seen it. Yeah, no. No, I, I have a, a gap, a big gap in my movie watching list um, from like 2012 on through like 2019. <laughs> so there's wow. a bunch of stuff in there that I, I mean, like I, I've been catching up recently, but I've got a huge gap there. 
and most of the 80s. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, I never grew up watching many 80s movies, except like the Stone Cold classics. Mm-hmm. Um, but even some of them I, I missed out on. So. so yeah, Southpaw is right in the middle. That's 2015, so I have not seen that one. <laughs> All right, so there's Donald Gleason, Rachel McAdams, and who? And then there's a bunch of other people that we kind of want to shout out. Bill Nye, right? With Bill Nye, been on the podcast before. He is um, Davy Jones, and he basically looks the same in this movie. I know he has a face that's never changed. I think the first thing I remember seeing him in was the Underworld movies, the Underworld, the Vampire and Lycan. Wars that are going on, like in the sewers. Um, it's got Kate Beckinsale. These are these were huge yep. when I was in high school. Like everybody's okay. talking about the underworld movies. There were three or four of them. They're pretty fun. Like it's basically Matrix meets vampires and werewolves fighting. Like the the action sequences are very stylized and crazy explosions and bullets and what was it? The the different like weapons they have to use is because the werewolves, you know, they can't be in the sunlight. So oh. the, the werewolves okay. use I... like light infused bullets or something like that. And then the the vampires use uh like lead bullets or or uh not lead silver? Silver bullets. There we go. Okay. The, yeah, so everything's like very modernized, you know, folklore. That it's, sounds that sounds like fun. I would see an action-packed version that's not, you know, modernized folklore that's not Twilight. That's more action-packed. That sounds fun. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's pretty, they're pretty, they're popcorn munchers, but they're pretty yeah. fun. Yeah, and just looking at this, like, I have definitely seen these movies around. It's It's got the the woman with the with the long leather jacket on, basically. Mm. Now, on the on the cover, yeah, I've seen these around for years and never bothered to watch them. It was like I always got uh, the Underworld movies confused with uh, what are the uh, the Resident Evil ones. They always oh, look yeah. really similar to me. Never watched either. But, yeah, I have not seen the Resident Evil ones, but these, at least I can say the first two. I think I remember liking. I don't know that I saw the other two or three. I'm not even sure. How many this is? <laughs> this is Underworld, Underworld Evolution, Underworld Rise of the Lycans, okay. Underworld Awakening, Underworld Blood Wars. See, wow. they need to bring back the numbering system because I, <laughs> <laughs> I need to know how many there are. Yeah, and some of these might be prequel. Like I feel like Underworld Rise of the Lycans might be a prequel. So it's because I think that one happens. Or takes place like in medieval times, okay. whereas Wait. the first two take place in modern times. Why are we talking about this? Because B- Bill Nye is Bill, in it. Bill Nye, that's <laughs> the but he has not changed, so I think he might be a werewolf as he okay. is in this movie. Okay, so Bill Nye is in the Underworld series. Or a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he doesn't change throughout the years. He always looks the exact same. Um, we also got Tom Hollander in here. He's around. He's in bunches of things um, like Pride and Prejudice and Pirates of the Caribbean, Cutler Beckett. So he's also been on the pod before. Um, 
yeah, and a bunch of other random things. I don't want to get too far into it because we'll, we'll go on another. Yeah, I, I can take us on a tangent of the John Adams miniseries if you want. <laughs> we must not go there. We can leave the John Adams miniseries outside of this. Um, yeah, I think there are a couple more, but I think we spent enough time talking about actors and actresses and Mr. Bean and the underworld. <laughs> You got to um, shout out to Margot Robbie though. She's oh yeah, Margot Robbie is in she's here. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. She's uh she's an unexpected cameo in this. I think this is before she's big because does she get big on Wolf of Wall Street? Right. I think that was a big break for her. Yeah, yeah. and this is pre Wolf of Wall Street. So, so yeah, so now she's uh, a name everybody knows, and I don't think she was at this time. But yeah. Also, she's. Obviously, Harley Quinn. Now everybody knows knows her. Yeah. Um, Once upon a time in Hollywood, too. That's, yeah, that, oh, that's yeah. a great one. She's also been on the pod before. We've done Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Um, all right, but let's let's leave cast and crew and Mister Bean behind, um, and let's go with some nostalgia and first impressions. So, Austin, uh, the reason why you're on the pod is because this is your favorite movie. So would you mind explaining how you came upon your favorite movie? Yeah. Um, so I actually didn't watch it till um, we were in full lockdown, of like 2020, April 2020. And a friend of mine sent a list of movie recommendations on Netflix. And most of them I had already seen, but I had never seen this one. So I thought I'd give it a try. I really wasn't expecting much. Um, and as I started it, I was like, oh, I see where this is going. He's going to, like, going to be this guy, and he's going to try to, like, basically seduce Margot Robbie, like, so over and over until he finally gets the girl or something. And I wasn't really liking it, and then the movie just kept evolving for me, and um, it was a very it was a very uh, intense experience with the movie that I don't think I've had with a lot of movies. Um, I think maybe, I don't know, It's a Wonderful Life is probably the only other movie that probably would get me to this level of emotion. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really, I loved so many parts of this movie. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with just, it's not super plot-driven and, we can go through all the plot holes and that's what everyone likes to poke at it. Um, but um, I think it's a lot about character development and I think that's something that everyone really likes and really attaches to. So I thought it was, uh, it, it was amazing uh, when me and my wife watched it and it was, it, I feel like almost like bookmarked a new chapter in our lives. Um, Cause it was also right our son was just born and he was only about six months old. So it was kind of like we were coming into being parents and that's what a lot about this movie is about. And so, yeah, it was a really, it was a really, really great experience watching this movie. Did your wife like it as much as you did? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah we, I feel like we quote it a ton. I, I don't know how many times we've 
said BB King, obviously. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. There's so many scenes in that movie. Can, can um, I ask what situation that comes up? <laughs> I can't even really. I can't even really name one. Um, but it said a lot in our Over house. breakfast, um, you know. <laughs> you want eggs? BB King, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We, we both really like it. to listen to? BB King. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's in the, that's when he's giving this the speech, right? At the wedding? Yeah. yeah so he's <laughs> yeah. only about three men, and he's like, BB King, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's cool. Uh, you, yeah. I feel like that's awesome that it was like a shared experience with yeah. you and your wife. And like, did you guys watch it a whole bunch? Like, have you watched it like 10 times or? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. So to be perfectly honest, I, I didn't, I couldn't watch this movie again. I watched it last year for preparation and it was almost hard to watch it. So it, it was less than a year after I watched it the first time. And with a movie as raw and as intense as this, it's really mm-hmm. hard for me to like watch it again without kind of ruining what it means. To me. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't know. It kind of, I feel like I start to see more flaws as time goes on. So I, I like to let it sit. Yeah, um, I know what you're talking about because I felt like that. I felt like when I, wa- I just rewatched it last night to prepare for this, and I was even like, I don't know. I, I, I kind of wish it had been longer. And I, I saw this like, I don't know, a year ago probably. Yeah. Well, when did you first watch? So. Yeah, so um, my wife and I watched this together. Um, we were going through a list I found online of sci-fi rom-coms or sci-fi romance movies. And surprisingly, a bunch of them landed for both of us. One of them was this one, that, and I think this was one of the first ones on the list that we watched. So we were like sold on the list after watching this. Um, but... Yeah, it was it was similar where it it hit me in a way that very few movies have hit me. It like the like what I what I was telling people after the movie is I was like this movie makes me want to be a better person. Yeah. And like and I know that that sounds that that sounds cheesy or something, mm-hmm. but it really does. Like when you, when I walk out of this movie, I want to be the person that they just portrayed or like have, you know, pull the message and actually live that message. Um, it really has a very, yeah, a very serious and like highly potent uh, drive to it by the end. And I, I agree that if I, if you watched it to like, I don't know, a couple times or three times in, in a week or something, you'd probably, you'd, yeah, you'd probably start seeing problems with it or you'd feel like it was slow at this point. But if you, yeah, I feel like if I watch it in five years, it's gonna hit just how you know just as hard as it did the first time. And because it's so much like an experience, um, that yeah, I kind of want to to space out how often I watch this. Probably even more than you know, like it's a wonderful life I watch every year, and it you know it's moving, but I feel like it's also just a good time. Whereas this one, I feel like is much more impactful um yeah so that was that was my 
nostalgia for it. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, I think I watched it like 10 years ago in college. I went through I went through a phase where I was watching like a bunch of movies like by myself. And this is one of them. It was like one of many. So it really didn't make much of an impression on me. <laughs> I like, uh, yeah, I think, I, no, I, I shouldn't say it didn't make any impression. Obviously, I, I remember the story. The story's pretty, I mean, it's not that it's unforgettable, but you don't remember some of these beats. Right? Sure. Like you are sorry. You don't forget some of these beats in this movie. But like when I watched it in college, I was way too focused on what the plot holes were. Uh, that was so much fun to see what all the plot holes were, right? Um, that would have been me if I yeah if I had watched it as I was, yeah when I was younger, I'd be in the same boat. For sure. Yeah, that was what I tried to be more analytical about movies rather than uh, like this is one of those movies where you can't be super analytical about it. You just have to experience it as it's happening. Um, yeah, and I think I watched it again last year. No, I think that I watched it another time with my wife because she said she really liked the movie, and and I liked it more. I liked it more that time. Then I watched it again for the you know the lost episode that we have not released um, and never will release because we're redoing it. We're clutching our fists. We're going into the closet. Where we're doing it today, um, and it is about time. And it's about time <laughs> to talk about time. Um, and uh, yeah, I liked it a lot more last year, and now and now I've seen it again. And maybe it's what you guys are talking about. Maybe I've watched it too recently. Maybe a year is not even enough. This movie, but like it, uh, yeah, I, I still really like it. It's still great. But like I, uh, I feel too moved by it. I almost I I, I want to talk about this a little later, but it feels like it's. Some parts of the movies feel feel kind of forced. At the end, I think it still ends up working. Um, I think as a whole it functions. But, yeah. Um, maybe we'll I'll reserve talking about this a little more towards uh, after some, some more fun stuff coming our way. Um, all right. So that's all of our experiences with the movie. But I, I also want to ask, standard question, when or if will we show it to our kids? Um, you know yeah. what? Wait, am I springing this on you? Did I tell you we were going to talk about this? No, I, I mean, I, I know the format of your pod. Um, so, I'm glad. yeah, I would say this is a really tricky one. And I think it's for the reasons, well, kind of you just saying how you watched it in college by yourself. Um, kind of shed some mm. light of why I would do this. But it's something I don't know if I would technically show my kids um while they were living at home i think i i kind of i think me seeing it shortly after having my first child after being married i think that's when it really hits hard for you because i think it kind of is about growing up a lot so i think in order to relate to the lot of experiences in the movie you really need to have lived those out a little bit before you can really appreciate it and value it. So I feel like once my kids are in their twenties, I'll kind of mention it and say, it's a really great movie. It's life changing. And like, it'll help you, you know, building your habits as an adult. I think this is something that will really set the foundation for that. But 
I don't think I'm going to sit my kids around and say, kids, we're going to watch a movie and they're going to talk about oral sex. And you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. That's just not something I would really want my kids to be watching at, in my house, I guess. Um, and I don't really feel like they would really oh, learn from it. You're such a prude, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. We're not talking about that, guys. <laughs> yeah. Not with dad around, at least. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's a good observation. Like, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure any kid would enjoy this movie. Yeah, no. they're not going to, and not not even that they like the humor. They wouldn't get even a. Te- I think even a teenager wouldn't like this movie. And if I was a teenager, I would say this is stupid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In those, in that exact, or sappy, <laughs> you think it was sappy, or you'd think it was, yeah. And and there would be a lot of fast forward scenes. So I just, yeah, I I agree. I think I think it's going to be a movie that, like, maybe if if like I had a kid and they were a very mature college age student, and I knew that they would, you know, appreciate it. But it it is a tough one. I feel like being married. And even newly married is probably the ideal age, whatever age that is for people. But it's yeah. it's tough because of how much I love the movie. I'm like, I want I want everyone to experience it, but I also think that if you're not, you know, in a certain stage stage of your life, you might it might just not, you know, appeal to you. It's not that you wouldn't get it or you wouldn't laugh at the jokes, but you're just not gonna like like it. And you know. And I really love this movie and I, I would hate to, yeah, I would hate for one of my kids to walk out of the movie being like, yeah, it's dumb or yeah, there are plot holes or whatever. Like yeah. I would hate yeah. to have that be their experience of it and feel like I wasted a great movie on, you know, because of, I just chose the wrong circumstance. So yeah. Maybe right. It's Cause like then they might not baby. even revisit it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's like a first baby, uh, you know, shower, baby shower gift. You give them <laughs> Blu-ray of <laughs> About Time. Yeah, it feels sure. so weird to say such an old age. But <laughs> it really is true. It's like, 25. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what I'm showing <laughs> yeah. I Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to come up with any age. And, and I really can't. Like, um, so uh, I... So right before the pod, I, I had to finish watching the movie, right? And I and kind of cramming it in, and the kids were still awake. I was just like, all right, I, I guess I'll just turn on the movie. It's the last half hour. I don't think there's anything bad. But then, like, it, it is rated R. <laughs> it's rated R for language a lot of the time. Um, I think there's some, like, sexual innuendo and, and talking of, of sex and stuff. I think that might be part of it. Uh, but still, when I turned it on, like, Kit Kat got into a car crash, and then her face is all bruised and battered. Not that that's necessarily wrong, but it's like, well, that's pretty intense for my six- yeah. and three-year-old. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, language really wasn't suited for, for their age. So it's like, well, maybe maybe I, I can't watch this with them around. Um, so, yeah. I can't think of an age where I actually want to show it to them because when I think they're mature enough to handle all the content here, yeah, that's when, like we're saying, they're just going to analyze it to death and 
it will be a meaningless, you know, two hours to them. Here's what I'll say. I, I hope that my relationship with my kids is such that when they are married off, they still ask me for movie recommendations, right? They're still like, let's ask dad. Maybe he has a movie up his sleeve and, you know, and then I can drop about time when I, when I think it's about time for them to watch it. Um, yeah. So. Oh, the joke that just keeps on giving. <laughs> that was probably the last time we say it though. Uh, <laughs> it might be about time for another one. <laughs> Sorry. Were you done with your point? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I hope that my kids ask me for movie recommendations. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out into the universe and <laughs> something comes of it. <laughs> kids, if you're listening. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, so basically, our consensus is we will never show this to our kids until they're adults. <laughs> I think so. I don't think this has ever happened. I 25 it's, minimum. It's <laughs> such a funny movie to say say it with. Yeah, it's about time. Yeah. it's heavy. <laughs> it's too intense. It's I just... think I think with True Grit, I said high school at least. And this is like coming before True Grit. It's wild, I'm but like, like I'm I like, can't... okay, you can watch Deadpool, but not about time. <laughs> We were waiting on about time. <laughs> it's too serious, kids. You gotta appreciate it. Uh, yeah, but I can't argue with it. I think that makes sense. Like, I always want to show movies to my kids, like as soon as possible. But I just conceivably can't think of a good time to do it with this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's a that was that's surprising. I I was not expecting to say that. This is always a question that I think way too little about until we actually get to this part. So I never know what we're going to say, but I like what we said. <laughs> um, all right. But let's talk a little bit about some, some favorite scenes here. Uh, Dan, what is your favorite scene in this movie? Um, so when I was, when I was rewatching it last night, I was trying to think about this and what, like the scene that hits the hardest um, I think we're going to talk about later. And so I'm not going to say that one as my favorite scene. I, I would say the one that I kind of just, I think is really beautiful. And it's so, I don't know, it kind of like gives the message very quietly and very subtly, but beautifully is, um, I love the, the wedding scene mm. where they're like, they have the wedding and, then they're all like running. Everybody's running to the party and it's storming and the wind's going crazy and the, it's like a downpour. And it just shows so, so much like humanity in the characters. And um, what's his name? Harry, the, the, the playwright. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows him like give his, he like he gives his umbrella to an old lady. But the umbrella is broken. It's broken. Yeah. He's been like, <laughs> he's, it's like t- totally destroyed. And the way he gives it to her is so like, like he's doing a kind deed, but then he just walks off like he's just depressed. And he's, <laughs> I love his character for that. He's like always just so in the dumps, but you also just feel for him. And it's like he wants to be nice and kind and have friends, but then he's just so sad all the time. Um, but no, just and then like the the fact that that entire scene, you know, you know, as the time traveler main character 
he could go back and re, you know, change the day or they could have the reception differently. They like, he could fix the day and it's such an important day to him. You would think that he would fix it. Yeah. I kept on, I kept on expecting a flashback to when they set the day and him changing it or something. Right. Cause up to that point in the movie, he's been doing that for everything. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of take it for granted that he's going to do it this time. And he doesn't. And then he, he even asks her like, is there anything you would change for today? And she says nothing. Like I, you know, this is a perfect day. And it's, it's a really cool thing. I think that they, that's like kind of the midpoint in the movie and they start shifting into kind of the deeper message that they want to give. And I just love how, yeah, it's a really beautiful way to, to show that and to show how like an imperfect thing can also be perfect. You know, it can be a beautiful thing and um, have its own, yeah, its own merits and its own, its own beauty. Um, so that's my favorite scene. Uh, Austin, what about, what about you? I mean, there's a lot of great scenes in this movie, so it's kind of hard to pin down to one. But I, I guess any sequence really where uh, we have Tim and his dad playing ping pong is such a great um, scene for me, just because I think it just really showcases their relationship. Um, and how they're such goofballs, but they're also just like sharing so much, so many lovely moments with each other. And um, I, I always love that line where Tim brings Mary home for the first time, and he's like, "What do you think about her?" And he's like, "I love her more than you do already." Like, <laughs> I, I just think that's a really, it just, it really shows like how loving uh, his dad is. And yeah, I. I all the weird songs and records that they pull out uh, while they're playing and just their really crazy energy while they're, while they're playing ping pong is just really enjoyable uh, to watch. Um, And I think that's in large part to Bill Nye's acting. He's such a weird, his body is just bizarre. (laughs) His face (laughs) is bizarre. Um, (laughs) Makes sense why he's Davy Jones, but um, he's really skinny. He's he's just very skinny. Thin. (laughs) In every way, like every part of his body is is thin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Anyway, yeah, but any any scene with them playing table tennis, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, well, during the scenes of him and his dad just kind of hanging out, it made me think of um, one of my brothers was telling me he was reading a book about um, all these different children like children and their view of their parents and it was kind of a bunch of like testimonials about just what are kids remembering about their parents and it was the pattern that they found was that anytime you ask a kid like what's your favorite memory with your parents what's your favorite memory with your dad it was always something where their dad just spent time with them it was never like, oh, they took me to Disney World or, oh, they bought me a bike. It was never a thing that they did. It was always just that they spent time with them. Like, oh, one time my dad took me on a hike and we, you know, and we ate lunch together. And it's like, but that's that's nothing like that. Any, any dad could do that to, with their kids. That's nothing special because we don't, you know, adults, we don't think of that as we as a special thing. But spending the time with your kids is almost like the most important thing for the kids. Cause it shows that you are willing to, you know, 
give them your time and and time is something we don't get back right like it's once it's spent it's mm-hmm. it's done and so i think that's that's what i loved about those scenes too is that it was them just goofing off or just sharing something it wasn't actually there's very little plot happening when his when the dad and uh and the son are together but it's just showing yeah. that relationship and it's yeah i agree with you those are really awesome scenes yeah they never had a moment where they're like I think it comes up like three times in the movie where they have to talk to each other for like, because they have to tell you, tell each other something big is happening in their lives. Like yeah, when, for exposition. Yeah. For exposition or also like, I guess that's how their relationship operates. Like uh, every time they had to talk about something big, they got awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, like when, when Bill Nye goes to his, his son and calls him in and tells him about his powers. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's one time. And the second time, it's when they find out he has cancer. Yeah. And then the third time is uh, when it's going to be the last time. Like they've come to the, like they just enjoy spending time so much with each other. They don't even talk about these big things. It almost seems like they don't even really need to. Um, Like you kind of get the feeling. um, I think you brought up that, that line already. um, When, when he says, uh, I I love her more than uh, you do already. Mm -hmm. Um, that that might have actually been the end of them talking about her. <laughs> like that was all he had to say, mm-hmm. but they're just totally content, like skipping stones and, and playing ping pong. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really neat. I, I don't think that's portrayed often enough. Uh, usually I get, in other movies, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Usually in other movies, usually fatherhood is portrayed as, as, the the big Disneyland trip, not or like they really emphasize like oh you have to appreciate you know a couple small moments or whatever, or you, or they say very vaguely you have to be there and then there might be a montage of being there, but you actually see them just being with each other for a yeah. long period of time or yeah. implied being with each other and him listening to Dickens for years from his dad, right? Apparently he travels back every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think cool. well I I think that's also like. I love also that line where he tells him that he has cancer and he's like, I, I feel like you cheated me out. Like you should have told me this was going to happen. And like, you should have spent more time with me. He's like, Hey, I actually like the only people that can retire at 50. Like me are the people who are time travelers. <laughs> and like, I did that just so I could spend time with you. And like, you're like, you and I are like the luckiest people because we can spend so much time with one another. Yeah. Yeah. They're the least cheated people in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I think that goes with what you're saying. Like, this is really portraying this dad really just wants to spend as much time as possible with his kids and reading Dickens, which I feel like Dickens also just expresses a lot of good characters with relationships in his books. So he's basically just reading about people like himself all the time. Yeah, these characters are kind of Dickens-esque in some ways. Like they're, mm-hmm. maybe, I don't, I'm not a Dickens expert in the slightest, but like, if you have to think of just like good-hearted people doing good things, Dickens really is really good at expressing that, and also yeah. writing the the terrible underbelly of things going on uh, too. But like, you, you just this movie's just loaded with basically good-hearted people throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that did strike me this time around too. Yeah. That there's no like 
evil-willed people. There's no bad people or even, yeah, bad actors or, like, they could have they could have very easily made, like, Margot Robbie's character be a bit, like, you know, a bit of a, you know, a, what do you call Bitch. it? A bitch, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that, that a bit, or, or just, uh, or just like be very shallow. That that was the oh, yeah. For. They could have made her very shallow and be, you know, just trying to get with Domino Gleason or whatever. They, they could have done any number of things with just about any character to make them shallow, to make them, you know, show like that they have faults too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something I love about the characters is that they're all very kind. They're all very like likable, mm-hmm. but they're quirky, right? They don't, sure. they're not all just like cookie cutter, nice people. They're all very much themselves, but they're all like, they deeply care about each other and they're mm-hmm. all very much friends and family close knit. And um, yeah. Yeah. The close knit family that, that reminds me of my favorite scenes, just like Austin. I, I, I like the whole series whenever they're like on the beach having tea. And they're just like skipping stones with each other. And especially the final scene when they like go back in time to be like little kid and, and dad just skipping stones and wrestling with each other. Yeah. That was beautiful. Um, Yeah. Opie and Andy Griffith on the beach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It made me want to live in Cornwall or wherever they live. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If only we could have a mansion on the beach. You know, that's, that, that's that would be dream. ideal for my close knit family. That we have a, we can have tea <laughs> on the beach, in a fire mansion. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's so the Bill, things. Bill Nye says at the beginning of the movie that you should not eat, that he's never really used it for money, and you shouldn't use the power for money. But he's clearly used it for money. <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> you can't have that sort of house on a beach without money. <laughs> well, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe what? the UK is totally different, but I don't think so. He could have inherited it from his dad, who also did it for money. That's what does, I was does, thinking. Doesn't oh, he say yeah, a relative in the did that? Like his dad or I think his, his uncle? His uncle. Okay. Yeah, he also tells him to not stop working. <laughs> I like how that's. I like how they bring up like money and work and just dismiss those things. Where it's just <laughs> like, if I had that power, immediately I would try to do at least the money thing. I think I'd go crazy without work, but I would at least try to get a different. I don't know. Career. <laughs> I would definitely go to 2010, buy like a hundred Bitcoin. It's so simple. (laughs) Even like two Bitcoin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got a house. (laughs) No, I I do love when he, um, in the very first time when he tells uh, Domino Gleason's character that he has the power and he's like, and he's like, don't do something like, you know, just money or whatever. And he's like, he's like, you got to think big. And he's like, I'd really like a girlfriend. And then Bill Nye's character, monumental. (laughs) (laughs) But he's so serious and sincere about it. Yeah. And that's also another thing that I probably would have done if I was a teenager. Or wait, was I dating? Yeah, I was dating when I... But yeah, I I probably would have wanted a girlfriend too. Like, it's a very human thing. And I do love that once once he does find Rachel McAdams' character, he ends up having to give up their first date together. Like they, you know, he like sacrificed his meeting her for his friend. And that's like 
such a character developing moment that like he's willing to do that even though he finally found the girl of his dreams and they hit it off so well in that the the really awesome scene of them in the in the restaurant um he gives that up for his friend to have a successful play and i feel like that scene along with the margot robbie scene where he you know he walks out of the hotel you know he could have just very you know very easily just slept with her and then reset the day like he could have done that and nobody would have known but he would have known and so you you realize in those scenes that he's like a genuinely good person that he he's really trying to keep his integrity and um yeah i feel like those those scenes are really what sold his good nature to me yeah all right so those were our favorite scenes yeah okay all right so let's talk about we we want to do favorite quotes with this one yeah sorry those were good points i just uh i just want to keep moving it along yeah sorry uh no no it's not it's not your fault or anything um all right, favorite quotes. We want to do favorite quotes for this movie because, well, at least at least you you and Austin really want to talk about favorite quotes. I actually don't really have much going for me, but Austin, what is your favorite quote for this movie? Well, I, I think it's the quote at the end for me um, because it really is just saying the message of the movie. It's kind of like if you wanted the moral of the story, this is it in a quote, um, and it's when. Tim says in the end, uh, and in the end, I think I've learned the final lesson from my travels in time, and I've even gone one step further than my father did. The truth is, I now don't travel back at all, not even for the day. I just try to live every day as if I've deliberately come back to this one day to enjoy it, as if it was the full final day of my extraordinary, ordinary life. Um, and I just found that that that's... I. I think you guys were talking about this earlier, but that that was the line in the movie where I was like, this makes me want to be a better person because it's basically telling you, like, you need to be living your life thoughtfully and purposefully. And, like, this guy got the opportunity to have time travel, and isn't that an amazing thing? But now he's realized, like, to live a good life, you shouldn't be needing it at all. Like, we all kind of fantasize about wanting to fan wanting to time travel but in the end like if you want to live a good virtuous life you need to be really present in what you're doing at in every moment and i think on top of that i also just love that he describes his life as extraordinary ordinary like he's not you know he's not a major politician or a famous celebrity he's just an ordinary guy but there's all these extraordinary things in his life. And I think those extraordinary things are his relationships. And those are really valuable and really things he treasures. And if he can just like keep building those relationships and like keep like trying to do better every day, like that is an extraordinary life. And those, just those two elements of that last line just really hit it home for me. And like, that's when I was like, I'm sold on this movie forever. Like I would, I would recommend this <laughs> to anyone over the age of 25. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. That, that quote really does just summarize literally everything in the movie. Um, yeah, it's a good quote. 
Yeah. The, the, I remember the scene with the, um, when he's starting to relive every day, just the day he's like following his father's advice. And what I found interesting is like, it shows him with his, with Rory, I think is his buddy's name, his coworker. And his coworker, you know, was make, make makes a mistake or something in a piece of paper and his boss chews him out for it. And then in the next day that he, you know, he resets the day and he he's living the same day, he could have gone and fixed that and like told Rory what to fix in his piece of paper. But instead he like when his boss chews him out, he just like flips over his, his piece of paper and it has an arrow pointing at the boss and says like, what an asshole or something like that. Um, and it's like, and it makes Rory laugh and kind of lightens the mood. And it, it's cool. Cause it's like, he's not trying to fix the things that go wrong. He's just trying to build the relationships and like help people appreciate, you know, everything in their life. And it, it like, so it's, it, it is a cool shift in the final moments of the movie where yeah like this message is just really really a, a really cool way to to end the movie so Justin, yeah. do, you, do you have a favorite quote or uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i think my favorite quote is more it's more comedic it's the one that i laughed out the most so it's it i think it's pales in comparison to summarizing the whole message of the movie <laughs> yeah you kind of cheated with that one uh, uh, hold on. This is the BB King quote. <laughs> no, it's not the BB King. It's uh, no, it's when they're picking out all the all the dresses. It's the dress scene, and she oh, comes out yes. wearing another dress that's very similar. And I'm like, oh, that looks like the same dress. <laughs> and then Donald Gleason is just like, trick question. It's the same dress. <laughs> yeah, the trick question is the same dress. Oh my gosh, that scene, I. I can totally, I mean, every <laughs> husband can relate to that. Yeah. It's so, so perfect. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah, I've had moments like that. <laughs> it's like, my goodness, please tell me that's, is that different? Is that the same? Or sometimes it is the same. I'm just like, oh yeah, <laughs> it looks so much better than the other one. Like, I don't know. It's the same. And he, and at the one part, he's like, well, he's like, well, honey, you got to pick between a prostitute or a dwarf. And she's like, "This that's your first warning. <laughs> I was like, oh, I love it. Like, he starts making jokes, and she's not having it. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's so good. And she goes back to the first one. Yeah, I've had yeah, that <laughs> happen. It's a really relatable moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite one, Dan? Uh, so my favorite quote, it's kind of, it's from my favorite scene, I guess. So going back to the, the wedding it's when uh, it's when he kind of resets his best man a few times because he just keeps picking the ones that he wants, but then they end up giving terrible speeches. And so he's like trying to fix at least that part of his wedding. Yeah. And, um, and it's when he's, so his father ends up being his, his best man and giving the speech. And, uh, and his father says, I'd only give one piece of advice to anyone marrying we're all quite similar in the end. We all get old and tell the same tales too many times, but try and marry someone kind. And this is a kind man with a good heart. I'm not particularly proud of many things in my life, but I'm very proud to be the father of my son. Um, I just, I liked it because I think it's going back to what we were saying that 
where the characters in this movie, if there's one thing that they seem to all have, it's the kindness. And that's what like their relationship is kind of built by is, you know, even if they're, you know, they tease each other or whatever, they're, they're quirky. They just, they, they have a great kindness and for him to call that out in his son and to say that I'm proud to be the father of my son. I feel like that's, that's every father's dream is to be able to say that, you know, at their son's wedding to say, I'm, I'm proud to be, you know, my father's son. It's like, um, I don't know if you guys ever saw this old black and white movie. It's called uh, young Thomas Edison. It's about, Ooh. it's about Thomas Edison as a kid. It's with, um, Oh, what's his face? The, uh, he's a really big actor in like the forties and fifties. Um, Oh my goodness. I'm going to forget his name, but he, he plays, he plays young Thomas Edison. What other movies is he in? He's in, um, I think he's in breakfast at Tiffany's. He's, oh. he's the guy that plays the, the Chinese man very controversially. Yeah, there it is. 1940. Oh, a Mickey Rooney. Oh, Mickey Rooney. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a great movie. I grew up with it. And, um, but there's a scene. So there's a scene near the end where essentially young Thomas Edison ends up saving his mother's life using a certain technique with light refracting from mirrors or whatever. And, uh, he becomes a hero in the, in the town because of his, you know, he's going to go off and be this great inventor. And, um, and somebody comes up to the, the father of young Thomas Edison and says, are you, are you, you know, Thomas Edison's father? And he says, uh, he goes, you know, I used to be, um, he goes, he used to be, you know, Mr. Edison's son. And now I'm Tom Edison's father. And I like it that way. And it was a, it's, it's a cool sentiment that like a father, the greatest thing a father can do is kind of become eclipsed by his sons or by his children. And, um, and that's what I like in this, in this quote is that you do get the sense that the father is proud of what he, what his son has become and that he's, you know, he's fine with dying because he knows that his, his life is going to be, you know, kept going by, by his children. So anyways, yeah, it's a long witted way of saying, I like that quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That it's, it's a good speech. He gives a pretty good speech. Yeah. Uh, the second one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's also when he tells uncle Desmond that he loves him. Yeah. Which is the greatest yeah. day of uncle Desmond's life. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. I, I, I never really understood uncle Desmond's purpose in that movie, but just seeing that. And then when it's his funeral and he's like, if that was the best day of my life, this is my work. This is the worst. I, there was just this, I don't know. There, there is something again with the relationships, just like that he built a relationship with uncle Desmond who just like seems completely like bonkers, but like, I think it shows real charity and a, a real true love to like just your whole family, even if there's some disconnect with them. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I, I really, really love that. Um, he, he has such a love for uncle Desmond. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Desmond and maybe Kit Kat and Harry? I know you had a question about them, but 
Desmond kind of seems to fit in with that, with both of them, right? It's like weird. Yeah. They kind of, yeah, the, this, the movie is very upbeat and happy for most of it, right? It's like, it is a rom-com, so that's natural, but I do feel like there's a few characters like Kit Kat with her, um, I think, abusive relationship to some extent, or... Um, seems pretty abusive. Yeah, it seems like like basically her boyfriend has ruined her life. Her, you know, her at least having him in her life has ruined her life. Um, and then Harry, the the playwright, he just seems like he's always depressed and just a very sad character in every scene. Um, and then yeah, then Uncle Desmond too. He's like, you can tell he's just his mind is totally gone and Mm -hmm. there's something tragic about that. So what's like, do those characters fit into the message or are they kind of like a, like a nuance to the message or like, what do you guys think about how do they fit into a movie that's so like positive and about life and time and uh, so, so many like happy things. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess they fit in because, uh, well, like you're saying, this this is about like happiness and and all that, but it's also it's also not. It's about the dad dying. Um, is that the only sad thing that happens? I guess Kit Kat being hit by a car and that kind of being unavoidable, or else he has to change his kid. Um, I guess there there are tragic things that happen in life, or yeah. um, gets turned down by Margot Robbie. Gets turned down by Marco Robin. Tragic, <laughs> horrible. Um, but I, I guess the point is to not, or, or even when he's going through uh, the day. So at the end, there, there's a scene where he goes through the day, the where you're pointing at where Rory gets chewed out or whatever, mm-hmm. and there's a whole sequence or whatever, and then he repeats it, and the day seems like shit the first time around, right? It seems awful, but it's actually not. So just because something looks awful or it seems awful on, on its face doesn't mean it, it it actually is. And maybe these characters, Kit Kat, Harry, and and Uncle Desmond, Uncle Desmond, the, the stupid guy who's just living around the, the corner, isn't that silly and weird? And then Kit Kat, who's slowly sliding into probably alcoholism. And then uh, and Harry, who is definitely an alcoholic. <laughs> The only reason he comes to the the baby showers because they said there would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love I love yeah. that like the uh, what do you call that? Not physical comedy. The like the comedy of um, the bear sitting there and he's like talking to the bear. Oh yeah, and then it's Rory holding a huge bear, <laughs> and then uh, he has the like, Yeah, he goes. He goes. Never bring a gift uh, smaller than the kid. And the who is it holding a? Harry, Harry right, holding you know, the, the tiny little bear, and he's like, <laughs> "I was, I just came because they told me they had booze." And then, uh, and then the, such a good one. Who's the friend of of Rachel McAdams? The Jessica. Oh, but she goes, but she goes. Oh, I didn't even bring a gift. That's the way you get around it. She goes, "The baby's so small; it doesn't even have a brain yet." <laughs> and, and yeah, it's just the perfect like uh, single do... person thing to say where they know <laughs> nothing about kids. Uh, yeah, that is a great scene. All right, so that is all to say that um, those people fit into this because they they're part of the the imperfect life, right? They're they're part of 
If there are bad parts of a day, they're in it, but they, if you look closely at them or try to get to know them, they actually really add to everything. They really add to to Tim's life, um, I think, in a big way. I think also Harry kind of provides a really good contrast to Tim because I think unlike how Tim at the end kind of comes to this conclusion, like I need to live every day as if, as if it's my last day, blah, 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 live with purpose. That's basically what it is. I think Harry's a character that's kind of almost victimizing himself a lot. He's always feeling like he's failing. He struggles with alcohol, alcoholism, his, um, then his, his wife left him, I think. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and his, daughter he doesn't he has like a strained relationship with his daughter that he mentions at the beginning so i think he's kind of trying to everybody else (laughs) yeah exactly so i think he's really trying he's like this is what happens to you if you don't make this um resolution that tim does where you aren't living with purpose you're drinking every day and you just feel like you're a failure and you just, you, you expect the worst and the worst happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. You so. know, what's funny. He, he becomes like a big playwright in the movie, right? Like he, he's like, uh, hailed as like a genius basically. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the movie, he's like in a bathrobe getting a handle of some booze. So like, it's fun. So you would think that like finally making it would get him out, but that's not what does it. Right. That yeah. doesn't fix anything for him. Because he really doesn't seem to care about relationships at all. I mean, he doesn't, like, like you guys are saying, he only comes to the baby shower, well, so he says, for the booze. Like, he's not really looking to, like, improve his life by making good relationships, and he's not looking to um, be purposeful. Like, he, I, I think it really is that kind of victimizing, victimization yeah. that really... Well- yeah, he's got a lot of flaws, but still, like, I like Harry in the movie. Like, I like oh, him as a course. character. Yeah, and I guess, I guess that's what I'm. I, I think you're right about the contrasting. I think that's a good point. Um, but also, like, you see the beauty of Harry. You know, this this kind of like washed up guy who chooses to be that way, and and the movie and the whole setting is, is better for it. Just yeah. like Tim's life is better for having him in it. Right. I like that about it too, that I feel like even in a scene of all these wonderful people and then Harry's there as kind of a wet blanket, he doesn't feel like out of place or unwelcome at all. Like everybody's totally fine with him being there and being a bit depressed. And it's a, it, I, don't, I think it, it says something about how they, they're accepting of everybody, you know, yeah. no matter their mood or disposition and, same thing with Kit Kat. Like she's, you know, going through all these struggles, but they also love her to death and they would do anything mm-hmm. for her. Like that's always very clear that everybody loves Kit Kat and she's so, ha- you know, like eccentric, but fun. And um, yeah, so I like, I like that explanation of showing the imperfections in life and how they don't have to be something to draw you down. They can be something that, you know, is an opportunity yeah. to get out of yourself and help someone else and, and be there for them. Yeah. I, I really like that idea of kind of be building a community almost just like, you know, be kind to everyone. And I think 
he kind of provides, or Harry's kind of a little different than Kit Kat because Kit Kat kind of seems to finally kind of accept some love and support from uh, her family. Maybe Harry doesn't as much. And so like, that's why her, her story kind of does turn around. Um, whereas his kind of is going to be kind of probably the same throughout his life. Um, but well, he'll, at least he'll always have that support. Um, but yeah, story. I, I really do like the idea of the community. Yeah. But a Kit Kat story kind of, uh, it weirded me out this time because usually the message is right. Whenever he goes back to fix something, he can fix it, but it doesn't end up fixing the person. But in Kit Kat's case, he stops her from getting with what's his name? Jimmy or something. Hmm. Uh, he stops her from getting with Jimmy. And then she's fine. They go, and then he fast forwards to the future, and she is totally fine. But the reason why he can't stick with that timeline or whatever is because that changes his kid. Mm-hmm. That is a terrifying scene, by the way. That is, is. Like a, <laughs> that is my worst nightmare. Oh my god! <laughs> my kid is suddenly a different person. Oh, oh that yeah, that it's, is horrifying. That is like a yeah, it's like a horror movie moment when he picks up his kid and it's some somebody else. It's, it's like it's dark haired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, a boy. Yeah. <laughs> weird. Um, yeah, but, but Kit Kat's story was, struck me as weird this time. Like, I guess I guess maybe it's to harken back to, to the speech that, uh, that you were talking about earlier where he says marry someone kind, or I guess the, the message is be with someone kind, and the idea is maybe that if you're with someone mean, they'll just drag you down completely. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought it was weird that it's like this one thing. If she's not with this guy and she's with somebody else, that will fix everything. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. It kind of seems like it doesn't seem like oh, she just was with the wrong guy. I, I would I would tend to think well, she's always going to be with the wrong guy. If, maybe it's not going to be Jimmy. It's going to be some other weird abusive guy. <laughs> like, I don't no, know. but she ended up with Jay instead, right? That's, yeah, and that's how he gets the idea to set her up. With his... And Jay is such a goofball. It's kind of funny yeah. that I don't know. I, I I see what you're saying. I also think that like who you I don't know the like when you're young and form it you know formative years and you know a young adult it does it does matter who you you know get in relationships with like that can have a drastic effect on your your um, outlook on life and mm-hmm. and everything. So I. I agree with you that oftentimes, you know, it's out of the frying pan into the fire. Like if you take her out of this relationship, she's probably going to find another jerk, but it's not, it doesn't have to be the case. I think it's also possible that if she found the right guy who showed her the right affection and everything, it could have a monumental effect on her life. No, I, I I think that's right. I, I I do think life works like this. If if you're not with one guy, sometimes one person really does change your life pretty drastically, right? Yeah. Uh, but I just thought it was funny in this movie where the moral just constantly seems to be like, you know, he, he fixes Harry's play. Harry still is like a depressive a wet blanket everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, every time he tries to fix something, it never really ends up fixing fixing the person. And I think that's part of the reason why he settles on this this thing at the end. But it's funny that this one time, this one time it really does work. Mm-hmm. Kit Kat's life is better all the way around. He just can't stay with it because of his kid. Yeah. You could say that it's something like a the plot works better with that because 
then it is a sacrifice that he like he has to get his yeah. kid back. So it, it does make it more impactful that he has to like let her go through that. Yeah. And it almost like if you ask the moral question, it's kind of a bit gray. Like like do you see do you save someone from an abusive relationship for ten years just because you want, you know, your kid a like a particular child. A particular child. Yeah. A particular kid. <laughs> like, I don't know what, you know, the moral philosophers would say about this. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know what I think about that. I, I would stick with my original kid. I, I know, guess. you gotta I, keep I mean, kid. I just, I, that's what I would do, I too. I would think. I'm just saying, like, yeah, I don't know. It's probably I don't. Work. I don't like thinking about this. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. This is really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Black Mirror episode kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. All right. But uh, does that answer your question about Kit Kat and Harry? I think it does. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm happy with that. So then, Austin, you had you had one about about time travel. I did. Um, my question was uh, why why do you think we're so fascinated with time travel in fiction in, in movies? Um, I mean, we can we can name so many. Um, well. I, and just just to throw a few out there, uh, or maybe just one, we we recently just did Groundhog Day, right? Because this falls in the this particular movie falls in the time loop series that we're doing. I personally call it the Groundhog Day series because that's basically what we're doing. We're doing movies where you redo something, mm-hmm. usually that day. Um, but yeah, so we're doing a whole series on this on this time travel sort of time loop. Um, gimmick or genre? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. So sorry. Continue. Yes. So I think it's just, but it's just an interesting question. I think, like, what do you think piques our interest so much about this? Because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I fantasize about if I could redo my day all the time, or you know. Um, you know, what if I could just go back and I could give a zinger to that guy that kind of got the best of me or, you know, what, <laughs> what if I could just school. change my day? Um, <laughs> yeah. And what, why do you think we're so inclined to do that? And why do we love to see it on the screen? Yeah. So I, obviously time is like such a important currency in our life that you know you, you can never get it back once you wasted a minute you'll never get it back and you know we put so much value on our time and i think as an adult that's so much more clear with how busy we get and everything our crazy or crazy lives uh where we never have enough time to do the things we want to do and so the, the idea that we can get more time by like going back in time or repeating the same day or, you know, so there's that fascination of like, well, what if I just could freeze time? Cause then everything would be, you know, then I could do things without worrying about wasting time. <laughs> you know, um, I could learn to play the piano, you know, like Bill Murray, um, without it costing anything. We're also fascinated with, you know, what if I could see my younger self and talk to my younger self, or what if I could see a hundred years ago or, you know, 10,000 years ago. And so we're always fascinated with, you know, what happened and what would it look like 
there was a show I was watching um, like a month ago called Devs, where there's, I'll, I'll try to avoid any spoilers, but essentially they're making a machine that allows them to see um, any time previous, like on a big screen. You can see any hmm. time previous. And I think you find that out in the first episode. So I don't, I don't think I'm spoiling anything major, but it was a really like this, the scene that they kind of show you that that's what the machine does is they show it's like a really fuzzy, almost like an old, you know, like a old box TV static look. And you can barely make out like the scene of the crucifixion of Christ. And they can, and it's, it's really like, it starts to kind of come into focus and then it goes out of focus and you kind of realize like, wow, they are, they're trying to see this monumental moment in all of human history. Like, you know, the thing that affected so many lives in, in all of history. And there's always that, I guess my point being, there's always that like curiosity we have for the past and the future and it's super fascinating to think about and to daydream about, Ooh. you know, what, what that would look like if we could actually see even just a hundred years in the future. Like that's something I always think about. Like if I could bring a smartphone to somebody 40 years ago, even it would blow their minds. Right. Yeah. And that's 40 years ago. That's not even, it's not even a, you know, 20 years ago to even 20 <laughs> years ago. It, like I remember as a kid, touch screens did not exist. They were like, a thing of science fiction, you know, it's just how quickly technology has changed. So yeah, to, to go a hundred years in the future, I feel like all of us would, you know, it, it's a, yeah, it's a very fascinating thought yeah. experiment. Yeah. It immediately captures the imagination. Um, yeah. So it, so it can be a lot of fun sometimes. Um, like I, I do like the the what if sort of scenarios. Like I think Edge of Tomorrow is more of a fun like sci-fi what if, mm -hmm. uh, or also even Back to the Future. Like those aren't really serious uses usages of of time or time traveling. Where Rick and Morty does this frequently. <laughs> Marvel loves to do this now. <laughs> yeah, the butterfly uh, effect thing. Oh yeah. Like if you could change uh -huh. something, what effects would it have on your current life? Yeah, it's like this curiosity. Um, yeah, even Marvel's What If series, right? Yeah. What if? What if it was like this? What if it was like well, you just change one little thing? Uh, yeah, and so you can make an entire TV show based off that that small amount of curiosity you have. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there's um, an element, especially maybe in the time loop series that we have of, well, like you say, sometimes you just want to repeat something. Um, but it, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, you start, start going over things that happened that day. You're like, ah, like Austin was saying, ah, I wish something had been a little better. I wish I had flung that singer at somebody. You know? Um, like wh what if, what if really I could do that? What would my day really like? And it's, it's not curiosity so much as like, uh, like I, I genuinely want to improve myself. Like I, I want yeah. to get better. I I want to make sure that I am on the right path for me. And in these timely move, um, specifically in, in this one and uh, the Groundhog Day, you actually have the fulfillment of that, right? Like, what if? Uh, 
how does the day pan out when he punches Ned in the face <laughs> <laughs> instead of having to listen to a de-shirt spiel? Or he hugs him mm. and says, do you have any plans? Can you cancel him? <laughs> I don't know where you're headed, but can you call in sick? <laughs> I better get going. <laughs> I'll see you later, Phil. See you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> um, like, do you actually get better if you can if you can repeat something? I think Groundhog Day says, eventually, <laughs> eventually you will get better. It takes a very long time. And in this movie, it kind of says, if you're a pretty good person, then you don't even really need to time travel. It's like, well, some ways, duh. Of course I know that. But like... I, I almost feel like... Um there's almost this paradox in our lives where we're like, we want to go back and it's like, we want our day to be perfect. Um, but the only way we can really learn to be perfect in the future is by making mistakes. So it's always this kind of interesting thing where we, we don't want to make mistakes. So we wish we could kind of time travel and, and fix all those. But if we didn't make those mistakes, we wouldn't really be improving as people. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I guess I guess the point of the movie, yeah, is that it's um, it's not quite duh like I, like I just made it out to be. It is, yeah, something that's not obvious. Like at the end of the day, you're you have to improve the next day, the next time. Um, and I, I think that's as a as a parent, that's I think one of going to be one of the hardest things is to watch your kids make mistakes that you. Like you made them, you learned, and then for some reason you don't want them, you want to just be able to tell them everything and not have them, you know, go through the mistake. You don't, you don't want them to put their fingers in a, an outlet to find out that that hurts, Mm -hmm. right? You want to just be able to tell them, don't do this, it'll hurt. And then they say, okay, I just won't do it. And with certain things and with certain people, I think sometimes the only way that they'll learn those lessons is by experiencing them, right? By burning their hand on the stove. That's the only way that they're going to learn. And as a parent to have to watch them, even if it's stuff that you did yourself, especially if it's stuff that you did yourself, you, you don't want to see them go through that. And it's why I'm really not looking forward to having teenagers and (laughs) um, watching them go off is like, I know how much, you know, how much I had to go through as a young adult coming into this crazy world and to have to watch them go through that is going to be, it's probably going to be hell for, for me and my wife. And I think trying to have patience with them, you know, when they're experiencing the world and life and making dumb choices that we, we made ourselves, like that's going to be so hard because we're like, I told you not to do that, right? Told you a hundred times not to do that. And to just watch them have to grow up and, and learn from experience is going to be a tough thing. Yeah. Completely unavoidable. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a downer. Yeah. I really don't really (laughs) not looking forward to 10 years from now. I don't know. Maybe it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you treat it like, uh, like we were saying earlier, maybe if you have like, this sort of relationship that uh, Bill Nye has with um, with Tim in this movie, yeah, 
I mean, yeah, I think that's an interesting point too because it, at least in the movie, it doesn't really show Kit Kat with her dad that much. Uh, at least it, it really doesn't seem like he's fostering that relationship nearly as much. I think that's very telling why she might have more struggles uh, growing up more than Tim does, at least. I, I, I'm not sure if that's there. I, I thought it was pretty clear that it was just because of Jimmy and not because of a relationship or lack of relationship with their dad. Like, it does seem to imply a relationship with the dad. You just never see it because it's not really about her. Yeah. Yeah, that, that could be. The, the only scene you do see her show, like, emotion to her dad is when they all show up at the door um, when they all learned that he has cancer. Yeah. And, and then apparently she has a whole conversation with him that's off camera. Yeah. And then you find out about it afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. So th- that's there. Uh, I, I don't want to discount it, but it seems like Kit Kat is a genuinely good person. She just got sucked into a, ro- a bad relationship with another guy. Yeah. Yeah. But she, I don't know. I mean, she really does seem to struggle with being like an adult. Like she can't. She, like, tries to move out and move to the city, and then she, like, moves back home because she just can't, like, deal with the world. Yeah, but again, that's because of her relationship. As soon as she gets with Jay, she becomes a mother, and apparently not a super great one. (laughs) But, (laughs) but like, but she's a mom now, and she's, you know, um, she she grows up pretty quick. As soon as she's in a healthy relationship. That's true. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a dad's fault in that case. Yeah. Maybe he okay. could have time traveled though and stopped her from meeting Jimmy. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Would that would that have changed the kid or no? No. I think this movie it. would say no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this, Open would, this movie would Open probably ending. would say no. <laughs> well, anyways, to keep moving on, uh Well te- technically, I'm just gonna throw this out there. <laughs> when when she's about to give birth to her to their third kid, right? And she says, it could be tonight. I think it's going to be. And he goes and time travels. He changed the kid. Well, the, <laughs> the dad does say, like, as long as we're really careful. He does make that point. Of, like, No, but he travels back in time, right? Yeah. So that's before the, the kid's conceived. And since it's before the kid's conceived, it's a different kid. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because he hasn't seen the kid and he hasn't built a bond with that kid like who cares if he if a different well, kid what if they out found the out it was a boy then turned out it was a girl i mean sometimes that happens really in real life <laughs> I, I okay yes I, I i know that doesn't really matter but in all actual reality he changed the kid that's fine, <laughs> I, fine with that. I know for, I mean, for, like, yeah yeah i mean if i because the, out, i know that it's just because of him knowing the kid, that changing the kid even matters. Yeah. Well, actually, it does change the entire future. But anyway. <laughs> enough with those details. It, enough, enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're getting back to college, Jesse, anal- analysis. <laughs> this isn't college, Jesse, analysis. I'm just saying, he changed the kid. That did happen in this movie. <laughs> That's true. He just doesn't care. Huh. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But Sorry. You, you but, did have a question, Jesse. Did you yeah. want to ask it? So, I, yeah, I'm going to talk about um, emotionality in this movie. I guess I, I talked about it a little bit uh, in, the nostal- in the nostalgia portion. Say that I, watching it this time around, right, this, this movie does hit 
hard in some places. And sometimes, sometimes it feels like it's not quite earned by the movie. So I'll give you an example. I was watching this last night with my wife. And there's a scene where it's Tim and Mary and they're talking on their first date, basically, in, in the dark restaurant. And they're talking with each other and they're flirting and then they uh, agree to finally see each other outside and it happens when you first see her and the movie makes it like this extremely emotional moment. But in all, actually, in all actuality, it's just like, two strangers finally meeting for the first time, but you know because of the way the movie's going to go that they're probably going to end up together and it's going to be a whole big old relationship and it's starting now. Um, uh, but it, that moment in and of itself, uh, and then my, my wife just starts bawling, right? It's just like <laughs> crying everywhere. As, but it felt strange to me. I was like, I'm not sure if the movie earned that sort of reaction out of this. Mm. It almost seemed to be more because of because of like um I don't know the way the scene was slow and the piano playing in the back background the piano does wonders for this movie I think I think oh, it makes sure. things far more emotional than they probably should be um which is what a piano was made to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> true yeah uh I don't know uh do you guys ever get that sense of this movie that almost feels a little too forced I well, that... go ahead Oh yeah, I no, I, I disagree. Um, I, I I think there's two really big things that draw that drive the emotion in this movie, and I think one is that it kind of is showing how fragile life is, and like how your choices really determine a lot of things. And I, I think that's shown with the baby changing, um, where he sacrifices the first date. He almost doesn't meet her, um, and there's a lot of those elements of like, oh my gosh, like the most important things in my life almost didn't happen. And how crazy is that? And scary that is. Um, and, but I think the other reason is because it's all about growing up and growing up, you really have, you run into all these huge events in your life. And I think meeting like your significant other is a really big moment in your life. And that is emotional because like, again like that almost didn't happen like um you know he he didn't even he wasn't planning on meeting someone there it, it was kind of an accident um so i think those combined elements of like how um how fragile your situation is combined with the experience of growing up and like all these huge things happening to you and like you can reflect about those same things in your life. I think that makes it very uh, raw and emotional for the viewer. Yeah. And I, I also think you, for that scene specifically that, you know, I feel like in a, in, a, in an average rom-com, you know, they would have like been jogging and bumped shoulders and he would have dropped something and then they would have giggled about it. And then the piano music would have started because then they realize, wow, we are both very good looking celebrities. <laughs> and I like in general, I would agree with you for rom-coms, but this, I actually thought that the, the fact that they hit it off so well in the dark was really cool. And like yeah. the fact that they, you know, like they are, yeah, the, the little jokes and the, um, yeah, I love that scene of them in the, in the dark restaurant 
showing them just so like their chemistry is immediately, you know, at a hundred percent. And so then for them to come out of the restaurant and, you know, realize that we are both very good looking people. Um, it, like it is, it is quick because this is the first time they're seeing each other. But I feel like the buildup of them hitting it off in the dark was kind of, I don't know, a very cool way of showing a first, a first meeting between, you know, kind of star-crossed lovers. Right. Uh, it's kind of like a quick condensed version of like, how can we quickly show that these people would be friends and yeah. then become lovers? Um, yeah, I guess. And, yeah, I guess what I've been talking about that wasn't quite so much the buildup. I, I think I do agree with you. That is it. It is a nice buildup. That mm-hmm. um, is way better than jogging and then and then dropping something. That that seems like a pretty standard trope in that movie. Steers away from that. Um, but it was like the reveal, and it made the reveal seem like a, seem like a big deal. And in all reality, they they are just meeting each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, but maybe the fragility that that Austin's talking about. Uh, I guess. I guess. Well, I, now I think about it. At that point in the movie, right? You, uh, I think you you start to realize that this is like a a grand movie because at first, like Austin, you, I think you brought this up earlier that you, you think the movie's just going to be about the summer or whatever the summer yeah. where he finds out he has powers and Margot Robbie's here visiting, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and then you realize, yeah, oh no, this is going to go through his entire life probably. Um. Yeah, and then he randomly upends his life to to London and and gets a job, and you're like, okay, this movie's really going places. Um, was yeah. not expecting that. Yeah, um, and it it does feel very much like a Dickens type story. I, at the end of it, you feel like you lived an entire lifetime or something. Yeah, there, there's that feeling of a lot of time passing, and that you've lived it with the family or you've lived oh, it with yeah. the character. And that's, that's something I think Dickens is often known for is having that feeling of, you know, like, like David Copperfield, where you, you feel like you lived a lifetime by reading that book. Um, and Dickens also does time travel in uh, a Christmas story or a Christmas Carol. Oh yeah. 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 That's. And that's I mean, true. he's great for doing the perfect happy endings with the bow on top, you know? And I think that's what this movie really is aiming to do as well um yeah well it sort of does a bow on top you know it's, i think what's strange about this movie is the movie doesn't really feel like it's about anything in particular which is oh i guess there's a whole message that we brought up but that's not like it's not like a dramatic plot point this, in terms of plot this movie doesn't it could be like anything yeah um i maybe that's why Going back to to the question, maybe that's why it feels like to me it, it wasn't earned, but you know maybe it actually is because most dramas because it, it kind of ends up hitting hard like a drama, but most dramas usually have a solid plot point that characters are overcoming or something. It doesn't really have that. It's it's a weird, strange experience. It's just this dude's life and coming to appreciate his life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, it's what I love about it, <laughs> but it's, yeah. I also see that it's, it is a, a bit unique and kind yeah. of, yeah, it, and it, it kind of goes back to the fact that I don't want to watch it too many times, is I feel like I would maybe start seeing those things as weaknesses, whereas when I just yeah. experience it, when I experienced it the first time, 
and you know, and yesterday, it, yeah, it, it I didn't see those weaknesses very. Well, I, I'm not even sure if I'm thinking of it right now as a weakness. It's just, uh, yeah, it's an experiential movie. Yeah. Um, it's just very different from from dramas that I normally see. So it seems like it seems like it's not earned. But in all reality, taken into context with his entire life and the fragility of the, the choices, like you were saying, then I, yeah, maybe it, it really is earned because of the structure of the story. Yeah. And I, I I did read that the director, he said the reason he wanted to make this movie is he was like, I just want to make a movie about how to be happy and ordinary life. And he was like, it wasn't until later, as I was writing the script, that I incorporated time travel into this whole thing. And yeah, it clearly does yeah, not like, even How could you really just have a movie is like, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to be a happy guy in my life. Like, that sounds like a bore. Um so I, I think it's a really good use of, of time travel, but I think... Would you say he what... was really making a movie about time? <laughs> I, oh, man. I, I really was, like, so confused. <laughs> I, was like, I could tell by your face. You were like, wait. <laughs> I was like, that's the opposite of what I said. I said it, like, the time was an afterthought. <laughs> Jesse just wanted to see the title of the movie. <laughs> What that was about. I was really I processing it as a I real it question. For a like, second. <laughs> Just you thinking about the question. Yeah, it looked like your whole screen paused and you were sitting there like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, what? I don't even remember. It wasn't about happiness. time, it was about happiness. Oh, right, right. But yeah, I, I think if you really do think of the whole movie as like, you're growing up with him, and like we've said a, a couple times, like you really do think maybe it's just going to be him spending the summer with Mario Robbie, and, and then it's like, or maybe it's going to be a movie where he keeps wanting to meet Mary, and then he keeps having to like change things for his friends and family, and he keeps missing an opportunity with her. But I, I think it's interesting because he kind of learns, he's like, okay, love isn't really about, you know, just getting with the prettiest girl. And then he's learning about, I need to sacrifice some things for the good of other people. And then he's kind of slowly progressing his life, becoming a husband and a father. And now he's making sacrifices for his kids. And then I think it really hits home when he has to let go of his dad. And I think that's where a lot of the emotion comes in. I think a lot of the emotion is mm -hmm. just with his dad and then passing the relationship he had with his dad down to his kids. And I, I just think it's such a beautiful thing in the movie that um, the reason he has to let go of his dad is because he has to have this new kid. And I'm like, yeah, because what, what other reason could you possibly have for like, giving up the opportunity to like basically like um, make your dad eternal in a way in your life um, is that you have to move on from that just so you can build that with someone new. And, and at the end, it's like, it kind of ties it all together. It's like this whole movie has just been about what makes people happy in an ordinary life. And like, mm -hmm. these are all the lessons he's learned as he's grown up. And um, I think that's why it makes it really impactful at the end. Like we're trying to tell you 
how to be happy and telling someone how to be happy is never going to be done with like a syllogism or like saying this is it guys this is how you're happy like it needs to be an experience and i think it's a great thing that you're experiencing growing up with him there's things you can relate to and then you can really say yes i think this is a true conclusion that we've drawn at the end that you know the the last um the quote um you can you can take that and say yes through all these experiences that I, some I can relate to, some maybe not, um, I can come to that same conclusion and I can apply that to my life. And I think that's what's so emotionally appealing about it. Sure. Yeah, I think that's well said. All right. Well, we've talked about time more than, than I thought we would talk about, about time. <laughs> um, so let's head into to our final question. Is this a dad movie? And I, yeah, Dan, is this a dad movie? I I honestly don't know. Like, <laughs> I I kind of don't think it's a dad movie. It's it's more like it is about being a dad, and it does have a lot to say about fatherhood. But I don't think of it in the category of dad movies, like. It's a movie for dads, but it's not a movie for kids to. Well, for well, like we were saying, for kids to see or to kids to watch. So, I don't know. I I think it's a, it's a movie for dads, but it's not a dad movie. <laughs> there's Interesting. My, there's my yeah. hot take. Uh, what, what do you think, Jesse? Yeah, I guess normally I would say a dad movie is is like something that I really want to experience with my kids or really want to watch them uh, on my own. Um, or in this case, like uh, probably not on my own, but probably with my wife or something. Um, and that it's is a husband impactful. Movie. It, it, it is more of a husband movie than a, than a dad movie. I think I will say that, but now being a dad is definitely part of it. Like what Austin was saying when, when his, when his son was born, like this is more impactful. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's a dad movie. It's it's not uh it's not a standard run of the mill dad movie. This is this is a movie by dads for dads. <laughs> not for dads and their kids or not for it's not a family movie. It's it's just for dads and, and for and for couples like trying to make their way through life. Um that's what it seems like the movie is. It like if you're single, I wonder like we should have a single person on to explain whether or not this movie really impacts them because I honestly don't know, but it seems to be more geared towards couples. Yeah. Um, people in relationships. Um, yeah. What do you, so yeah, uh, I'll say this is a dad movie, uh, dad movie for dads. That's fine. By, by dads for dads. So I, <laughs> by dad for dad. Yeah. Of dad. <laughs> Um, what do you think, Austin? Um, well, the whole dad movie question always—I never know what to make of it. Because, <laughs> <I, laughs> but I mean, I, I think I'll—I'll I'll go ahead and say yes. It's—it's it's a dad movie because I think I think it it teaches you a lot of good lessons on how to be good dad. But like we've said, I mean, 
I, I think it's a movie about how to be happy, and that's, I, yeah, but and how to be a happy dad <laughs> is definitely in there. I think <laughs> how to be a happy daddy. <laughs> That sounds so wimpy. Happy Daddy? <laughs> this is a great movie if you want to learn how to be a happy daddy. <laughs> happy Daddy stamp of approval. Yeah, you know what? I'll say no to the dad movie and yes to the happy daddy. <laughs> I'm not sure what that no. means anymore. <laughs> That's you, you gotta make meaning. this a new part of the podcast. Is it a dad movie or a daddy movie? Uh, what other movies would be a happy daddy movie? <laughs> uh, this is the one and only movie in that genre. <laughs> All right. So, so you're saying no dad movie? Yes, Happy Daddy movie. <laughs> and we're leaving it at that. <laughs> All right. That really leaves this movie in a weird limbo. <laughs> so we have No Dad Movie, No Dad Movie, Yes, Happy Daddy Movie. <laughs> and, then, and then Yes, It's a Dad Movie. That makes it basically half of a dad movie. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm it's a tie, out. I think. Uh, it's, a, it's a tie? Who knew time. between three people we get a tie, but here we are. <laughs> Austin, you gotta come down one way or the other. I'll say yes. Well, let's okay, say yes. okay. It's a dad movie. All right, we have it. Not a happy daddy movie. <laughs> all right. All right, everyone. Y'all have a good night. Um, from all of us and Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Jesse. I'm Dan. And I'm Austin. Good night. <laughs>